hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. I was given a, a prompt. You know, like, Jaunty does this to me, you know? Like, he goes, here's what I want you to preach on. I want you to preach on miracles. And then he gives me this, like, paragraph kind of like, so what I want to do is the intersection of faith and how faith and, and I'm going, it's getting, it's like from here to here to here, 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 Just preach on that. Oh, no, it's been good. I like it because you, you have to think it through. Like you gotta, you can't just go, let me just tell you, just have faith and let's believe. Well, good night, everybody. That's really what we're knowing. <laughs> hey, um, I think to me, I started to remember biology class. Who had biology class? Do you remember that? I remember seeing, uh, do you remember we had to like dissect the frog? Who had to do, or a sheep's eye, remember that? Who, oh, I don't know what else you guys had to do. Like, um, something in a jar had to come out, and it smelled like formaldehyde. And, and so I, I, I kind of thought, like, what we need to do is, is um, miracles, a dissection. A dissection, in the definition of that is, it is the acting uh, and the di- dissecting of a body or plant to study the internal parts. Or it's a very detailed analysis of a text or idea. Would you permit me tonight, can we um, peel back the skin of the frog, so to speak, and you know those little T-pins? Let's just pin that back a bit and look at what miracles and faith, how they have this mixing. One of the first things that, that caused me concerns and I'm going to talk about my concerns, and, and I'm going to just, you know, tee it up, and just, you're, I'm just going to let it sit with you, because I know it's a concern for you as well, faith. What if it's just a matter of just plugging away prayers with faith into this cosmic vending machine that we would like to call God? I remember one of the books I lent uh, Nathan by Josh McDowell and his, actually it's his son that came out with this youth text called Don't Check Your Brains at the Door. And in his book, he talks about that God, one of the myths about God is that God is this cosmic vending machine. David Myers says it in his article on the same topic. He said, miracles are certainly possible If the God in whom we believe exists, he can do anything he pleases. Do you say amen to that? Did you guys get it? Okay, I'll tee it up again. He says this, where religion is sold as a device for eliciting health, wealth, and success, what is really being merchandised? Is this faith Or is it faith's counterfeit, a glib caricature of true Christianity? We, I think, are coming out of an expression, a a movement, a, a season of the name and claim it, the blab it and grab it. Do you remember that? 
There were theologians, no, sorry, not theologians. Well, maybe some, but mostly evangelical television radio guys that would name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. Because if we just keep pushing in and get the special cloth, the special water, the special oil, the special palm leaf, the special dust, the special, I'm going to go, I'm losing stage here. You've seen these commercials. If we just get this, this guy has touched it, blessed it, held it, hold it, slept with it. He did something with some article of clothing or technology, then he gives it to you, and then that is what's going to get you your miracle. Am I right? We've seen it. It's diabolical. I love that word, Crystal. We, we talked about that this morning. A diablo. What means what? Devilish! It's devilish! It's absolutely from the pit of hell. Turn to your Bibles with Matthew 17, 20. And I didn't talk to you. Have I talked to you tonight? I don't talk to you. So, so you've, already, you've, already, you've already teed this one up because you've already mentioned it. Matthew 17, 20 in the ESV. He said, he said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Amen? I've seen mustard seeds. They're small. But have you ever seen a mustard tree? They're large. And God is saying tonight, if you just had this faith, the size of a mustard seed, you could say to a mountain, the size of, of, of an Everest or a Kilimanjaro, move, and it would move. But is it just a matter of just naming it and claiming it or blabbing in it and grabbing it? What if, it, what if, it's, if, if this is just, if I'm just persistent enough and I wear down God? Hey, God, can I have a, a Lexus? Hey, God, can I have a Lexus? God, can I have a Lexus? Lexus, Lexus, God, Lexus, Lexus, God, God, Lexus, Lexus, uh, two years. You know, like in, in, in SpongeBob, two years later. God, I need a Lexus. God, I need a Lexus. God, is it just a matter of that's what prayer is? If I keep pressing the vending machine, you know, like you go and it's this A3 and you get like the sun chips, A3, 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 A3. If I just plug more prayer, more faithful prayers into this, I'll get whatever A3 is. Though believe it and can achieve it, it might sound like a good slogan, but it is absolutely, and I'm telling you right now from the pulpit, it's absolute foolishness. It's just, it's actually really bad theology. God controls, let me say this very clearly to your ears, God controls the outcome, not you. Proverbs 16.9 reminds us, in their hearts, humans plan their course but the Lord establishes your steps. Turn in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles or your iPads or whatever, to Jeremiah 10. I want to just look at this text. I want to just, I want to just talk about this. Jeremiah 10, 12 to 13. Just a couple verses. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding stretched out the heavens. 
And when he utters his voice, there's a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he makes a mist rise from the ends of the earth, and he makes lightning for the rain, and he brings forth the wind from his storehouses. God establishes your steps. God is the one that controls all the outcomes. Lord has the power to move mountains, not you. Let me tell you very clearly, you're to have faith like a mustard seed, but it's not you that's moving that mountain. And there I've seen preachers say, you just need to speak to that mountain of cancer in the name of Jesus. That's just foolishness. Go to the God that moves the mountain. Why are we so fixated on the plates of food? I was at uh, your, shower, your baby shower. Is that what it was? Uh, some kind of baby event. And, and, and there's, there's tables full of food. But we're so fixated on all the plates of food. Not the one that put all the food on the table. So we don't go, I'm going to shout to that mountain of prosperity. No, no, no. Go to God. He'll do all the shouting. Jeremiah did. Our faith, folks, is in Him to do the work. Remember that iconic verse, you know, you can do all things through Him who gives you strength. I've mentioned before and on Sunday morning that your faith is that of a garbage fire or a dumpster fire, right? And a lot of people go, that's not very nice, John. You hurt my feelings. But the reality is, with just you and you alone, your spirituality, like, it, it's, it does nothing. But you can do immeasurably more. You can do the impossible through Him who gives you strength. In Him and Him alone. That's what I'm wrestling with. When I got saved in 1995, my roommate, my friend Tyler, good friend, we, his nickname was Guav. I don't know why, we just called him Guav. Guav's mom, one time we were both working at camp one summer and, and, and we only had a very short period of time off. Like literally Saturday night, uh, Saturday afternoon, night, and then Sunday morning. So we decided, Glav and I were going to go and watch all the Rocky movies in a row. Have you ever done a Rocky-a-thon? Awesome fun. Do you know what Rocky is? Dun, 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 dun. Okay, anyways, moving on. So, and it's always a great challenge for guys and girls. If you want to watch 10 hours of, of movies, Rocky. So... We watched Rocky, and I remember going over to his house, and I loved his mom. His mom was the atypical, loving Christian mom. She's like, bless you, love you, here's some cookies, we made you burgers, they fed us, they and his mom was so nice to him. I, I started to ask, what's the, what's the story? I, saw, I remember seeing a magnet on her fridge, bloom where you're planted, and there was a picture of her with, in, a, in a medical bed. I said, what's the deal? He goes, yeah, he goes, so my, my mom got um, breast cancer. I said, what? He's like, yeah, so like um, she got diagnosed with, like it was pretty advanced stage cancer. But the church started to pray. 
And it was like this church kind of big prayer movement, and there was fasting and, and, pour, and prayer, and people laid hands, and it's a very Pentecostal church. They, laid, they put oil on her head, and they prayed and prayed. And I said, well, what happened? Well, she got healed. I said, you, and I was a new Christian. I said, you shut your face. I was like, I was a new Christian. I, I was raised in a Catholic background, so I had heard about miracles, like, back then, but I, I was just amazed. I'm like, what do you mean she got healed? Yeah, like, she went to the oncologist. They did a scan, and there was no cancerous cells in her body. I said, you shut your filthy mouth. I was like, what are you talking about? And then his mom's like, are you talking about the healing? I was like, so like, dude, dude, hey, you want to talk about the healing? I was like, I was like, how is this happening? It's like, well, you know, like, he's like, you know, like New, New Testament, like there's Acts 2 and the Spirit of God. I was like, yeah, yeah. He goes, so like, there's more chapters to the, the book of Acts. I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, like there's Acts 29. I said, baloney, like right here. He's like, yeah, we're in those chapters, John. The Holy Spirit is alive and it's, and it's wanting to do work and signs and wonders in all of our lives. I was, I was perplexed, amazed, anxious, overjoyed. She got cancer again. Five or six, seven years later, that's actually when Rocky was happening. She had got re-diagnosed. It had resurfaced. And it came back with vengeance. Immediately she was given terminal four, like it spread to her spine, her lungs, like it was just everywhere. And again, the church said, let's pray. We got to pray just like last time. So we're going to pray and fast and anoint the head with oil and do all those things. But she passed away. And I was perplexed. I was, I was like, what? It, it, like, weren't you doing a good enough job last time? Like, just reproduce, reproduce what you did there, and you'll get, you'll get another healing. Like, what did you do wrong? And I wasn't the only one. People were being rude and evil. Here's a diabolical statement. They were coming up to people saying, well, she must have had what? Secret sin in her life. They couldn't understand that God wasn't at this point in this season not going to move in a powerful way this time. So because they can't wrap their brains around this idea, they started to throw it back on her, on Glove's mom. She must have had sexual sin or some kind of, some devious thing in her life. I was a new Christian. I'm like, I was ready to punch that guy. I didn't know. I was like, how dare you? Do you have you met Glove's mom? So I wrestled. Wouldn't you wrestle with me in this? But I've, I've prayed the same prayers. We even, have, have we used the right oil? Where, where's, are we supposed to use olive oil from Israel? And, and so you end up going through all the stuff going, what did we do wrong? But if we have a false understanding of the Matthew text of the whole mustard seed in the mountain, maybe if I have a, a skewed version of that theology, then it's, I'm going to run aground here, aren't I? Because it has nothing to do with you and your prayers or the amount of faith that you have. 
Though I think it is important to have faith and to be persistent and to pray. But at the end of the day, I remember asking Tyler, I said, what did, what did your mom say near the end of her life? She was so thankful. She got to see her kids graduate. She got to see some of her kids get married. She was so thankful. And that's where I saw that magnet. And maybe I was like, oh, bloom where you're planted. Even if you're planted for such a short period of time. I think the second thing that I, I'm, I'm wrestling with this, and may you wrestle with me, is maybe faith and the act, uh, or the, more the posture. Can I use posture? It's not acting. Acting is theater. Maybe our, our posture is one of surrender. Join with me, it, it, Acts chapter 3. Let's look at this. And I want to camp out on here. This is, my, this is my workbench text for tonight. Acts 3, 1 to 10. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, uh, called Beautiful Gate, uh, to ask for alms. Uh, like, in other words, begging for money to survive of those entering the temple and seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, like, hey, spare some change, sir. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said this. Have you noticed this text? Look at us. What? And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them, like just like his hands are like, just put it in the pot, buddy. But Peter said this. He says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. For all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one that sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I think there's a level of faith and a posture of surrender to believe that same Jesus, because for Peter, he had walked and ate and slept beside Jesus. He had known Jesus personally. And so for, for him, it was like, you know, this is the same faith, the same understanding of this Savior. I knew Jesus. This is what Jesus did. He walked and he spoke healing into people's lives. And he's, in his thinking, he's like, I'm going to just do the same thing that Jesus did. Silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. The level of faith and coupled together, surrender is huge. See, silver and gold, I always, have you ever thought about that? Why did he mention that? Well, of course, he's begging, John, like, come on, wakey, wakey, look at the text. Silver and gold. I think the reality comes down to this is that, look, I don't have the natural stuff. 
that's going to that's gonna fit the bill here. Silver and gold I don't have. You know, like Jesus would actually go up to people when he's um, healing people. Wouldn't he say something? He would say, um, what do you want? You ever notice that? When Jesus is meeting with people that are obviously, they need healing, like the blind men by the pool. What does he, he always goes to me, he goes, what do you want? Like, obvious to me going, well, Jesus, like, are you new? He wants to see. But in the moment, I have to transport myself, like Star Trek. Like, just transport yourself there. Jesus says that intentionally. What's your heartfelt need? What we've done in the church is going, they need to know Jesus first before they receive the healing. What? Jesus asked, what do you need? I want to see. I mean, lame from birth. So Peter sees this and goes, this is what Jesus would have said. And the silver and gold I don't have. But one thing I have, I'm going to give 100%. I'm going to give it all to you right now. In the name of my Jesus that I knew and saw and died on the cross and resurrect, that same power. Oh, come on. You're going to stand and rise. And you're going to be healed in the name. I think surrender, and if you permit me, desperation is key. That's why I see sometimes a, sometimes a natural flow of signs and wonders in the developing world. And the churches in, in places like India and, and Nepal and Latin America. Why? Because there's nothing to fall back on. I remember being in Tanzan, which is in the Himalayan jungles north of India, doing work in a village. I remember asking the pastor, how long would it take for you to get someone to the hospital? It wasn't hours. It was days. So if you have an appendix that bursts, you're dead. Like, there's no way of you, there's no airlift. There's no hot, there's no ambulance. It'd be like, well, we could put you on the donkey and get you to the road and then flag down a bus, then put you on a bus, which will then take you to Poker or to Kathmandu. And then the, well, the mortality rate of the hospital is not good either. <laughs> like, so there's almost a sense of desperation. They got nothing else. So when we come to the village, and this woman, she, she comes up and she was a young teenager. And she's been uh, cramping and just, she hasn't been able to have her, for some reason, her, her menstrual cramp, her menstruating cramps, like she hasn't had her period. And, and, and it's, she's almost getting to the points of it's getting to toxicity levels. And this is all through an interpreter, and, and I'm like, oh, maybe the girls need to pray because I, this is, I don't know what this is. Uh, and so she came into the little mud hut that we were in, and we just started to pray. We were desperate because we're like, okay, where's the nearest medical center? But like, oh, it's about two days hike. How long did this woman, this young 13-year-old, walk all the way here. Oh, she's about a day's walk. She walked in this state to where we were for 
a miracle. I had a medical kit that was probably the size of that. You know the ones we have in our car? I got a couple of plasters, some gauze. I got nothing. So I got desperate. Actually, we all got desperate. But there was a part where I had faith, but there was a surrendering posture. Because I remember that girl sitting, she sat cross-legged. She had her sari on and uh, her, her coverings and the girls just kind of gathered around her, and then the men kind of hung around back. And we, man, there was a sense of like we were praying, uh, like we were praying like it was almost to the point where we were bleeding and, and crying and weeping, saying, God, we'll, it's like if we, could, if we could just sell all of our stuff for a miracle, we would. I remember that. There's a desperation. And, and we prayed and prayed and prayed. And then she, she left. She walked home in the night. I was like, whoa, 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 stay here. Like, we don't know what's going on. So we, the next morning, we woke up, and we were doing some open-air dramas in a school. And all these kids, like 100 kids, were excited to hear about Jesus for the first time. And in the corner of our eye... Hours later, we were sitting eating some rice and, and, and some dal and some, we're having lunch. The girl came back. I was like, she must have like ran or got a donkey. I don't know how she did this. Or maybe she kind of went to an uncle's house. I don't know. She came back and she was smiling. And so immediately our team, all the girls are like, like tractor being like just went to her like, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? Well, she, 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 had, she had her menstrual mo movement. And, I, and I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I was like, but she says, immediately after the prayer, that's why she left. She was embarrassed because it happened just like that. She was healed. But was it because the amount of prayer and faith that I had that we injected into this in prayer? I'm like, and maybe because I was all of us laid hands in an integral pattern of mosaic of fingers? I don't know. I don't know what it is. But in that moment, we weren't saying, I have faith, Jesus, in the moving mountain. I was saying to the God of the mountain, of the oceans, of the, of the, of the theater of the cosmos, May you move in this little girl's life. Oh, oh, by the way, not a Christian, by the way. Full-on Hindu. Believed in 330 million gods. They believe, she believed in Ganesha and kept on going to Ganesha, which is in control of prosperity, going, I, I, I've, I've deemed a curse on my family because of these gods. But she came out of desperation going, but I've heard about the Jesus. Her last kind of rope for hope was the Jesus Christ. And, she, and Jesus moved in a miracle in her life. We didn't go, okay, now let's get you saved. So it's complete. Then the Nepalese person that was with us gave her a Bible and led her to the Lord. A faith 
like Jesus calling out Peter out on the water, and Peter actually does it. He, he steps out. I don't have that faith. If I was in the middle of Lake Tekapo or, or one of the great lakes or whatever, be where all I could see is water around me, and Jesus comes towards me and says, come on out. I don't know if I had that kind of level of faith. Peter does. He steps out. Lastly, I want to leave this conundrum with you. We need, I think, an increase of our faith to be courageous with our prayer life. Have you ever seen that movie, Evan Almighty, with Steve Carell? At the beginning of the movie, she's, she, he's just become governor or whatever it was, and uh, she tells the Steve Carell, he's like, you know, I really want us to grow as a family. I want us to really just dive into a deeper relationship with you and the kids. Later, he gets called to be the modern-day Noah and starts building an ark. Everyone starts to mock him. Everyone starts to just, it's an absolute gas. But his wife does leave him. She says, this is enough. We can't do this anymore. Picks up the kids and goes. She's driving, goes to a diner, Morgan Freeman, which always ends up playing God, meets him in the calf, in this calf, and says, um, you know, didn't you ask to grow together as a family? It's like, yeah. He goes, do you think God just works like, boom, just like that, you're together as a family? Or will he allow you to go through situations that will increase those things? In that situation, when I saw that healing in that little girl, and even the, the dichotomy of Tyler's mom getting healed and then she dies, do you know what it did? The byproduct of that was my faith got increased. And what it did is it gave me a newfound boldness to pray, encourage for more miracles to happen. Do you know tonight, secretly, between just us. I really want you guys to be 10% more bold with your prayer. What does 10% boldness look like? So, Georgia, we had Julia on the, on the Skype, the FaceTime. Matias, you know Matias, our, our loving Brazilian friend? He's decided to fall off his motorcycle and break his ribs and damage his ankle. So I said to her, tonight, every one of us is going to pray in a courageous increase of faith for what? Healing. But what kind of healing? I want a miraculous healing. I, have, I think I have enough faith. And maybe I, maybe I need to just be in desperation in a moment. You know that last song we were doing? I felt like that, that, that the lungs that were breathing of God, like that those prayers come out of our lungs at a desperation, at that, that sense of that posture of surrender going, I don't know what is going on in Matthias' uh, life and his body, but I can believe that if this little Indian Nepali girl can be healed in an instant, then maybe his ribs and his ankle can be healed tonight. Would you join with me on that? But just maybe 10% bolder. I don't know what that looks for you. 
You might be sitting here going, John, I'm super bold with my prayer life. I pray for healing and miracles all the time. Good on you. Keep going. Keep, keep pressing in. But I know for me, there's that moment where I'm a little doubtful. Maybe we're just going to go, okay, Lord, just a healing, like a progressional healing within the next six to nine months, he'll get healed. But wait a second, the doctor told him it could probably be like a month and he's healed. Like, okay, God, I want to pray there's a miracle tonight that he wakes up and he's like, I don't know what it is, honey, but there's no pain. There's no pain. And, we, and here's the thing, we might never know. Some of us might know because we know him. But which of your prayers did it? What if it's not about the prayer, but it's the God of the universe that says to that rib and to that ankle, Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.